can't, honestly can't remember. Oh, I think I'm that's so the name of wrong. That's the office. <laughs> that, I was like, why is that so familiar? That is Andy's acapella group. Oh, you're office. right. I like oh, the confidence. Welcome to Double Take. I'm Jess, and I've got Jenny here with me. <laughs> well, as <host>. always. <laughs> well, what's new with you? Um, nothing too much. I can you hear someone blasting music from their car right now? Or is that is the magic of the headphones doing its job? The headphones are a magical thing. Excellent. Love uh, that about West Philly, though. Yeah, true. Just the magical Every world of West. Couple Philly. of minutes, a car pulls up. Uh, you never know what time of day that actually like specifically was my problem with my office in Philly was that people would just stop in front of the car next to me. Uh, sorry, the house next to me, uh, they would just park their car and blast music for like 20 minutes. It's a vibe for sure. Mm, It was something. Um, Yeah, it was happening last night was particularly pleasant at 2 AM. So that was good. Yeah. Really fun. Anyway, I don't have anything super exciting to report because we have most of what we'll be talking about in this episode is like all of what I've been watching lately and what you've been watching lately. But I did want to make sure I got this in. I wrote down notes in an anal way last week. And I was like, oh, this is what I'll use for our banter section. I have things that I need to tell Jess. <laughs> yeah, guys, the intro is super natural and not at all super scripted. Super natural. Um, to be fair, I've never scripted mine. I was going to say, yeah, it's all, what's the new, that's the Taylor Swift lyric where it's like, essentially, I'm a master. Oh, it's from the song Mastermind. It's, yeah, the song Mastermind. <laughs> um, like yeah, it like, seems natural, but it's all planned. Everything's been That song planned. gives me the heebie-jeebies, to be honest. Yeah. There's something weird, like cringy to me about that song. I don't know that I have heard the whole song through a full time. That's okay. So one of the things that I was going to talk to you about was the Taylor Swift album. I like some of the songs. I don't like others of them. So it's not like a great banter piece, but I figured, <laughs> Hey, hot button topic. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. It is and that's probably like 50% of what I've done with my time in the last week is listen to that album. I would be more surprised if you were like, I have a million thoughts about the Taylor Swift album. <laughs> That would feel out of character. I really, I do. I really like it. It didn't, it didn't start out that it's way. A slow burn. Like all of her albums actually of late, like her last like three albums, I feel like I listened to once and I was like, mm, maybe. And then they grew on me a lot. And that's definitely the case with this one. There are some that I don't particularly like very much like mastermind. And I just still can't get into lavender haze, but I, I think we- over time they'll grow on me too. Can we talk about how the lyric, sometimes I feel like everybody's a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill seems to not bother that many people. Like, I feel like it should bother more people. It oh, the first me. time I heard it because I didn't know what sexy baby meant. I was very perturbed, but one of my friends, uh, shout out to Tori, <laughs> if she's listening, sent me like the reasoning behind it, like what a sexy baby is. And it actually makes a lot of sense. Do you know now? Say more. I mean, I've been on the... I live on the internet. Um, but I don't know if there's like a specific sexy baby that she's referring to. I know like the concept of a sexy baby. Well, like it's like, the ingenue, I think it's like a TikTok like, thing. So it's like, oh. yeah, but more than the ingenue, it's like that sort of, you know, 18 year old girls dancing on TikTok where it's like, are they sexy or are they children? And then it's like, well, they're both. And it's like, that's the cool thing to be now is to be like young and hot and like provocative, but not. And yeah. No, she's saying like in a sea of like the D'Amelios and Addison Ray or whatever these people's names are, she feels like the old big monster who's awkward and 
cringy because she's six feet tall and gangly and like doesn't know how to dance and like it feels like she's aging out of pop music and then you've got this like young cohort that's like you know pouty lips and dance moves and they aren't six feet tall (laughs) that's I think like the encapsulation of that lyric got it I didn't realize yeah it's like a weird trope in the first place but the the line itself I don't like I still like it gives me the heebie-jeebies I don't know if it's supposed to I like Um, it now and I think it's funny it's funny I'm definitely like it sounds like a parody song lyric in my in my opinion well so does karma is a cat squirming on my lap because he loves me I don't think that's the lyric (laughs) sitting in my lap it's not squirming Okay, either way, that's, so that's how that's how disturbing that line is in my memory. Every time I hear it, I'm uncomfortable. I really don't like squirming, but I yeah, I guess feel that's like worse, sitting in my like, lap is a little better. Yeah. I feel like people often praise first of all, you were like, I would be surprised if you had a lot to say about Taylor Swift, but here yeah, we I are. guess we do. Um yeah, I this is will be the last thing I say unless you have more thoughts but this purring in my lap sorry I had to look it up uh, purring in my lap because it loves me got it either way uncomfortable I'm sorry doesn't well mostly because it just doesn't make any sense such a weird analogy like out of nowhere in a song that like doesn't otherwise have a ton of weird analogies but you're okay with karma is my boyfriend (laughs) you're like I draw the line at cat I took that as like karma is the fact that she has a boyfriend that she loves like but Take why is that, that not the same as a cat that Kanye loves her? and Kim? I don't know. There's something about that that's just weird. I mean, you're right. She loves her cats. I also find that cringy. The lyrics in this whole album are not. I get that people think she's a lyrical genius. Not my fave uh, display yeah, of that talent of hers. Fewer, yeah, I think Evermore. Sorry, folklore and. Am I losing my mind? Folklore and Evermore. Evermore, ever. <laughs> Aren't those nice <laughs> albums, Folklore and Evermore? I think those have a lot, those really showcase her writing a lot more. But I think also the more I listen to songs, the more I pick up on the like really nuanced, subtle lyrics that are really smart. Sure. And I think I'm not there yet with the album. Yeah, fair enough. We can move on. I'm glad yeah, we, we got should that banter on. in. Do you have any more banter you'd like to banter? <laughs> no, I think we should move on <laughs> to our, the meat of today's episode. So we're going to talk about TV shows that are premiering in the next month. So in the month of November, and we're going to talk about some shows that we watched in October. Some will be ones that we've talked about briefly before. Most, if not all, will be ones we've written about in the newsletter. Um, But we're going to touch on those towards the end. We've got like 10 new shows to talk about first though. So let's start off with Blockbuster. It's premiering November 3rd on Netflix. This is about the last blockbuster on earth so it is a comedy it's a workplace comedy there is actually a last blockbuster on earth that is still open i think it was in bend oregon i actually didn't check if it's still open but i feel like that like went around on the internet like five to ten years ago where it was like there's still a blockbuster like the last one ever Uh, and i'm assuming the writer of this new show must have heard about it because they decided to write a comedy about it but I'm doing some quick last minute Googling and it looks yeah, like, know. yeah, 2014, maybe they closed oh. the last one. And there was a, there was a documentary called the last blast blockbuster. Oh yeah. Well. I think I, I heard about that, but, but yeah, yeah, so this is uh, fictional then I guess about the lack 
the last blockbuster. Uh, and it's about the owner basically trying to figure out how to run the store and keep it afloat in the age of streaming entertainment. So it's set in reality. Um, it is led by Randall Park, who's in WandaVision and Fresh Off the Boat, uh, and Melissa Fumero, who is Amy in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She is, I just love her so Your much. Your fave, yeah. Yeah, uh, I wonder if she's going to end up being a very Amy-like character in this. I feel like from the trailer, it looked like she might be, but hmm. you don't know. Anyways, the creator and showrunner is Vanessa Ramos, who has written for both Superstore and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And from the trailer, I definitely got Superstore vibes. It's just that sort of like workplace comedy where it's like going to be sort of a joke about the customers being dumb and like working retail being hard. And I don't know. I don't think it'll be anything like too original, but I hope it'll be funny. I think it'll have that good dose of nostalgia. It's not that long ago, but it's still like yeah. nods to before streaming and also this sort of like um, transition into what we now have, which is kind of a streaming nightmare. <laughs> Just one of the like very trailer jokes in the trailer was like one of the characters being like, how am I going to work in the movie industry if I never work at a movie store or something mm. like that? And I was like, wow, imagine that was like actually a thought process back in the day. Another wow. nostalgic new show, The Santa Clauses. It comes out November 16th on Disney Plus. And yes, it is a sequel to the beloved trilogy of movies, The Santa Claus movies starring Tim Allen. Jenny, are you laughing because you don't like those movies? I didn't realize there were three of them. No, I like the first one. I think you've I've never seen, seen all three. I think I've seen the second. There's one where he's a toy. There's like a toy version, right? I think you and need like, to rewatch all okay. of these movies this Christmas time. This Christmas, don't they're classics, <laughs> uh, especially the first one for sure. Yeah, the first I, one's like, great. Feel less, much less strongly about two and three, but as a kid, I did enjoy them. And so anyways, this series, it's a limited series, six episodes, basically replacing the concept of them doing a fourth movie. I'm not really sure why they decided to do a limited series instead of a fourth movie, probably figured it would do better, uh, maybe drum up more Disney plus business. I don't really know anymore, but anyways, in the most exciting news, Tim Allen is back. And so is Elizabeth Mitchell as Mr. And Mrs. Claus. They're reprising their roles, which I don't think they could have done this really without them. It would have how been old pretty are they sad. Now? Yeah, that's true. Tim Allen is 69. I don't know how old Elizabeth Mitchell is, but the plot is, so Scott Calvin, who is Tim Allen, who is Santa, is about to turn 65. So pretty close to Tim Allen's real age. Mm -hmm. And he is starting to lose his Santa magic, realizes that he needs to find a suitable replacement Santa. And then from watching the trailer, you see that his replacement Santa pick might not have been as good of a pick as he thought. And so then some hijinks ensue. I think this will be really good. I'm excited. And I, <laughs> I like, I'm just excited that it's even time for, I know it's only October 27th, Still but like Christmas movie time. In Halloween. <laughs> I know, but like, I know I was watching, uh, we were watching Happy Death Day last night and cause we're still doing the like watching Halloween movies mm. every night. And I was like, mm, I can't wait for it to be watching Christmas movie every night time. <laughs> oh my God. You've, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Hallmark um, calendar. There are already oh, so many out. They've busting them out. Yeah, yeah. Every time I look at the like upcoming stuff, it's like Christmas movies everywhere every night. Side note, I don't know if we will wind up cutting this out because I don't know how we feel about naming real people on this podcast, but do you remember? Mm, uh, 
She did yes. um, musicals oh, yes. with me Curly in hair. like middle school. Yeah. She's in a Hallmark movie about the Rockets. Good. Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Good for her. Yeah. We could probably cut that just because I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm excited for some Christmas content, but I don't know. TV shows about Christmas. Uh, I'll take that back. I was going to say seem weird to me, but I feel like that, like Dash and Lily, that was cute-ish. That was fine. I mean, it's basically a fourth Santa Claus movie. It's going to be six episodes that are going to be, what, like 45 minutes long. So it's like an extra long fourth movie. Hmm. I don't know. It doesn't seem seem less like it's a show and more like it's another experience. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it'll be good, but it could also be too cheesy. I feel like sometimes with the like revival movies, they, they veer too much into the, like, let's make fun of 2022 technology. And it's like Mm -hmm. really not clever. Uh, Hocus Pocus too sort of had that problem. All right. Next on the list, I will only mention very briefly because I don't know how many people will be interested, but I just found out today below deck the series on Bravo that follows uh, yachties, as they call them, people who work on super yachts. It's a reality show. It literally just follows people who work on a super yacht. I can't explain why it's so interesting or fun to watch. Oh, other than that. um, Yeah. I mean, it is really, they make, they're making a new spinoff comes out November 1st on Bravo. And then the next day on Peacock, it's called below deck adventure, which I find it odd that it's not more, like specific to where it is because all the other ones are I think below deck down under no I'm lying sailing yacht is not (laughs) anyways I take it back it's called below deck adventure and it's set in the Norwegian fjords so instead of like their normal tropical sort of fun they will be having cold weather adventures which I honestly think will be like more fun to watch people like I don't know beautiful like climbing icicles, glaciers, whatever the words are. <laughs> icicles. Climbing icicles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, and just like really pretty, although it's always a pretty show to watch. I've never seen Below Deck, um, but I feel like anything that's like a closed system, like a boat, like things that were there, I don't know, people in a closed system. I don't know where I'm going with this. That seems interesting. And also, yeah, it's just fun to watch travel. because they like their dynamic. Exactly. It's intense so quickly. They're like, we met mm-hmm. each other yesterday. And then it's like, yeah, immediately people are. Yeah. I don't know. It's also just, it's a reality show. Like I said, if you've never watched it before, I'm probably not going to convince you to start. But for my below deck fans out there, November 1st, I don't even know if this podcast will be out by them, but <laughs> if, if you missed it, then I mean, go look on be, Peacock. Yeah. yeah. Also, Norway is sick. Next on the list is uh, 1899, which is coming out November 17th on Netflix and is not a sequel, but from the creators of Dark, which I wrote about in, uh, I think, last newsletter. I don't know, one of our recent newsletters in the spooky season because Dark, if you haven't seen it, has distinctly sort of like mysterious, uh, eerie, mystery. I already said mysterious, but like spooky sci-fi. The mysterious kind of mystery. (laughs) not the other kinds of mystery exactly it's very um i mean dark is also set dark spans a bunch of different timelines which is not a spoiler but just so you know there's like an 80s aspect to it people were describing were comparing it a lot to um stranger things at the very beginning Hmm. anyway if you haven't seen dark definitely watch that but you should also watch 1899 i say without ever having seen it but i am excited for it the premise 
I watched the um, <laughs> I've watched the Netflix trailer, which doesn't really tell you anything, but does a great job at giving you the vibe, which I already figured would be very similar to Dark, um, like like a mysterious eerie, mystery, like a mysterious <laughs> mystery that's eerie and spooky, and like, but also. Um, this one seems distinctly groovier. Like it's definitely a mystery thriller situation, but the music that they have underlying is like funky. It's like a rock, like it's kind of upbeat. So you, there seem to be some opposing <laughs> forces. Of, Was it like of set tone, in the seventies or when is it set? Uh, it is no, it is a historical drama, but it's not clear exactly what era it's set in, but it's supposed to be, I don't think it's supposed to be in the seventies. So, okay. Let me quickly say the premise, which this is the, this is what Netflix gives you. Immigrants on a steamship traveling from London to New York get caught up in a mysterious riddle, a mysterious mystery after finding a second vessel adrift on the open sea. Um, Mysterious riddle is sort of also like saying mysterious (laughs) mystery. mystery. That's so funny. The other Netflix. Yeah. Their other blurb is very similar, but I'm going to read it anyway, because it has like one more clue of what's going on. And this is all that I could find about what it is, even after watching the trailer. Um, So a group of European migrants leave London to go to New York City, like the last one said, but they encounter another migrant ship and their journey begins to turn into a nightmare. And I'm a little like, okay, the last one was there was a mysterious riddle and now it's a nightmare. Um, So so the second ship is a mysterious mystery that turns their journey into a nightmare in summary knowing what i know about dark i'm like is the ship lost in time is there going to be sort of some kind of like how do these people it's more fun if you don't try to figure it out ahead of time i like not knowing anything before going into a show like i want you to tell me that you like a show and then me to be like okay i will watch it maybe the genre i like it you should watch it it's mysterious (laughs) mystery (laughs) perfect that's all i wanted um also when i saw that this was coming out in november i was like another Yellowstone show? Is that the existing Yellowstone show? Because there's a Yellowstone show called 1883 that came out like, I think like last year. I find it so confusing that, I mean, not that Yellowstone has a uh, ownership over all shows that start with 18 and our years, but well, 1899 to be clear. I was like, oh, what were the Duttons up to in 1899? That was my first thought. Yeah. I forget. I completely started a sentence, but don't know where I was going. But the last thing that I want to say about this is Dark is a completely German language show on Netflix. Um, they do a really good job with subtitles and also with um, with dubbing if you do not like subtitles on Netflix. This will be similar. It's not all German, though, because it's a group of European migrants. It's all different languages, Spanish, Italian, German. Um, and I did read a little interview with the makers of the show, and they... We're like, it's really important to us to depict a show like this without having like, oh, they're all migrants, but somehow they all speak English, like a lot of shows do, just yeah. to pander to um, a more diverse audience. And I feel like like I'm enjoying seeing more shows that are more true to reality and how they treat language. And yeah, I don't know. I, I'm excited for it. I hope people are more willing to watch and that it doesn't turn you off to know that it's not a completely English language show. I'm sure it's going to be good. I mean, Squid Game was huge last year. I think we're past the point where that like immediately turns off people. I hope so. Like Money Heist or I feel like there were a few in recent years. There were like big, like other language, foreign language Mm. shows. True. 
All right. That's the last I'll say about 1899 and uh, go watch it. I'm going to watch it. All right. The next one on the list is Fleischman is in trouble, which is an adaptation of a book by the same name, a bestselling novel written by Taffy Brodesser Ackner. I had never heard of this book to be fair. And so I have also not read it. Uh, it does star Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes to, I think it's fair to say A-list, uh, A-list actors taken on TV uh, as is kind of cool to do these days. Uh, they play recently divorced parents who just can't get along. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan of Mean Girls fame. She's been in other stuff since then, but I will always think of her as Janice. She plays their friend. Um, so it's like a stacked cast, but I don't know. It, I watched the trailer. didn't seem like super interested in it. Uh, I put it on this list in case other people are interested in Hulu's genre of book adaptations about couples in tumultuous relationships. Yes. <laughs> like, doesn't that feel like a genre on Hulu? Yeah. Like, normal people, uh, conversations with friends, tell me lies. And now this one, and I'm probably missing some angst. Yeah. Also just adaptations of books in general. I feel like they've been really big on, like, didn't they also do little fires everywhere? Nine perfect strangers. I, I feel remember, I feel like I said on this podcast, especially the, um, Reese Witherspoon's production company seem it feels like her book club is just a pipeline to her production company well, because- she might have maybe they have a deal with hulu because i think a couple of the ones i named are right well, like little fires at least everywhere. nine perfect strangers and little fires everywhere i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure but in yeah, terms of maybe they do popular books that then get turned into tv shows well maybe fleischman is in trouble was a reese's book club pick i don't know i don't it, i don't think it's her production company though no. and i also sort of doubt that it was a book club pick of hers because I feel like she likes the like thriller ones but who Mm -hmm. knows all right that's what I'll say about that uh next another existing franchise new movie new tv show (laughs) pitch perfect bumper in Berlin that's the full name of it uh if you recall bumper was the character in the pitch perfect movies who was like the antagonist uh male leader of one of the rival acapella groups he was honest i don't recall but i do remember it's called here comes treble it's a rival acapella group i can't honestly can't remember i think that's the name of wrong that's the office office. (laughs) i was like why does that sound familiar that is andy's acapella group i liked the confidence of which you spoke that though i was like I don't remember anything about this movie but right like it's both incorrect and also correct nope uh, I think they're the troublemakers. Okay, treble still. No, no, no. I know you were. That's like what you're like right. I said. I thought you're you were right. right, and then I realized you weren't. But uh, I don't yeah. remember if it's the troublemakers or something no, similar. That sounds um, right. He uh, so that character is played by Adam Devine. I do really like Adam Devine, but I've always sort of hated his character in Pitch Perfect. Like it's just too smarmy and jerky. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is sort of is like what he's good at. But anyways, I wasn't really excited to find out that he was getting his own spinoff because I was like, why'd they pick the worst character uh, to give a spinoff to? I would watch anything in the Pitch Perfect universe. Like I love, I love the Pitch Perfect universe (laughs) as if it's like (laughs) Star Wars separate. No, I just like, I really enjoy those stories, but we'll see how this one is. Uh, I was excited to find out that Sarah Highland is also in it. And it looks like she's sort of like the, the female character to his lead male character so like i think they're like the main duo and i like her uh it, the premise is that he moves to germany to revive his music career when one of his songs becomes big in berlin so that whole season drops on peacock on november 23rd 
And yeah, we'll see how that goes. That's, uh, it's weird to think of the concept of a song going big in one city in Germany, <laughs> like the whole, like just Berlin, just Berlin. I'm really think into that song. I think um, it's all, yeah. I mean, that sort of humor is very pitch perfect, like just sort of like over the top characters, sort of mm-hmm. like unrealistic setups, but it's just a fun, those are fun movies. I hope that this is a fun show. We'll see. I likely will not watch it, but I'm looking forward to you telling me about it. Yeah, I figured. All right. The last one on my brand new TV shows list list is Wednesday, uh, a Tim Burton creation starring Jenna Ortega. Love her. This is based on the character Wednesday Adams from the Adams family, but it's a news story. Um, so same beloved characters, but the story is that she's at a boarding school and there's like some killings happening and she's supposed to sort of investigate them, but she's very typical Wednesday Adams. If you've ever seen anything about the Adams family, like that sort of grim sort of humorous character is very much uh, alive very here. Sardonic, like not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty great. I mean, I watched the trailer and I was like, yeah, this is, and I not like a huge Adams family fan or anything. I think I've seen maybe like the 1990s movie mm-hmm. uh, or one of them. I don't know. There might've been multiple, but I don't know a ton about them, but this looks good. I am very hit or miss with Tim Burton, but mm. it, it does look very Tim Burton from the trailer and it could go either way. Like I said, I do I'm love Jenna Ortega. So yeah. yeah. Oh, also Christina Ritchie is in it. Like Which is played, another reason I'm excited because I love yeah. her. Yeah. She played Wednesday Adams in those early 1990s movies, the Adams yes. Family movies. So I think that's a cool, a cool casting choice. Uh, also, she's just great. But yeah, that is uh, that comes out November 23rd on Netflix, and it is in fact a Wednesday. Nice. Yeah. Do you check just to make sure? No, the like every article mm. that reported about the show coming out made sure to tell me that it was a Wednesday <laughs> that they were premiering it. And I was like, yeah, this is like classic I'll fill up a thousand words sort of thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is what it is. All right. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of shows that we like that are also returning in the month mm-hmm. of November. Uh, Yellowstone's fifth season comes out November 13th. Uh, you can watch that on Paramount Plus. I have actually not finished the fourth season yet so chances are i will not be watching on november 13th but i know quite a few people friends and family alike that will be watching it so mark your calendars for that date and what's the other one jenny other one i watched which is sex lives of college girls uh season two is coming november 18th also on netflix it's a Mindy Kaling show i really liked the first season it's oh why did i think that was an hbo max show it was, oh, did I just it write was? the wrong thing? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's on. It's HBO definitely, Max. at least the first season was on HBO Max. Maybe I, I don't know why I wrote Netflix. Yeah. HBO it's Max. definitely on HBO Max. Are you thinking of Never Have I Ever? I feel like I confused those sometimes. No. Maybe just because I, I haven't have, seen either of them. I might've just copied and pasted the wrong part of my list, <laughs> but it is in fact, now that I'm double checking on it's not even November 18th. It's November 17th on HBO Max. So I definitely don't know where that came from. Um, I, If you like Never Have I Ever, it sounds similar. Definitely Mindy Kaling has her voice, but it's a slightly more mature. I mean, it's, it's written for a slightly more mature audience. Uh, and I really enjoyed the first season and I'm looking forward to the second. I really like... Uh, Renee Rapp, who plays. Oh, yeah. I know her from TikTok, actually. 
Yeah. But also she's from Broadway. Of, but also yes. from TikTok. From her because being of Broadway. on Broadway on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. She's great. Uh, Tim- Timothy Chalamet's cousin? Sister? Mm-hmm. Pauline Chalamet is fame. one of the other. So it's about four college girls who wind up as roommates their first year at some fictitious but vaguely Dartmouth-like school because, you know, Mitty Kaling went to Dartmouth. So she knows the whole New England okay. uh, liberal artsy Ivy League college vibe. And it's like a really good friendship, but also romantic relationship in college, trying to find their way sort of situation. Really good. Hmm. Mindy Kaling. Yeah, I still have to watch that one. My mom actually has told me many times to watch that. Mm, I just haven't done it yet. Yes, she liked that. It's like a a lot of people really liked it. Yeah, it's a very easy, fun watch into it, for sure. Hmm. I think that was the last of the upcoming... Uh, new and returning shows so we can get into what we've watched in October all right going backwards now uh so I will try to be fairly quick with my recap since like I said most of these shows we have talked about in our newsletter so just a, a quick plug if you're not reading our weekly newsletter you get all this and more in terms of our thorough reviews of shows in the newsletter but the first one on the list is the midnight club so that is a mike flanagan created series and mike flanagan is the creator of other sort of like horror series that have come out on netflix in recent years such as haunting of hill house the haunting of Bly manor and midnight mass it's very mike flanagan uh it's creepy mysterious uh mysteriously mystery (laughs) <laughs> as we like to say um it's about a group of like older teens that are at a hospice um so they're all dying for one reason or another and there's like some spooky stuff happening at the hospice uh and like a cult lived there once and one of the main girls is trying to figure out like what's going on there and some creepy stuff happens i like i like to keep it vague uh my quick review is it was really good if you like other mike flanagan shows definitely watch it if you haven't seen any other mike flanagan shows don't start with this one because it's not the best of them watch haunting of hill house first and then come back to this it's not a mini series it's the first season so don't expect everything to be answered in the first season I, the only thing I was really disappointed about was that I thought everything was going to be wrapped up and then it truly was not like in any way wrapped up. And I was like, Oh, no, I really hope there's a second season because now I will be frustrated. Otherwise very good. Uh, one cool bit of stunt casting, they cast Heather Langenkamp as the hospice leader. Uh, and she was the original, uh, she was in the original nightmare on Elm street. She was like the lead girl. Yeah. Little and she hasn't been in much, I don't think since then. So I like thought it was cool that they brought her for this. Nice. I started watching the next show on this list because Jess wrote about it in our newsletter, another quick plug, um, but Bad Sisters, which- I actually was, forgot that I watched that first because you finished it before me. I think in a podcast, we talked about how it was coming out and you mentioned oh, it. and I was like, you'll like it because Yeah, you were Irish. like, you'll like this show because it's Irish. And I was like, because everybody's right, Irish. Irish. <laughs> I will watch this. Um, I think I thought maybe you wouldn't like it because of the subject matter. That being said, would you like to give a quick, a quick recap on what bad sisters is about? Sure. So bad sisters is a comedy, but it is a dark comedy because in the first episode, you realize that one of the sisters husbands is dead and 
it quickly becomes clear, but also not so clear that one of the sisters may have done it. Uh, and so the rest of the season is sort of goes back and forth between flashbacks and the quote unquote now of the show. And you kind of start to piece together exactly what happened. It's really, it's funny, really good. It's suspenseful I, and it's definitely yeah. mysterious. Like I think I'm, I've been so sort of like addicted to it because if by the flashing between the two timelines, you really start to like try to figure stuff out. But then there's a yeah. lot of like, you know, sort of like, oh, you thought that was it, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And then it's just so funny, honestly. Yeah, they did a really good job at leaving you breadcrumbs enough that you think you can sort of piece it together. But, and I know you haven't finished it and I also don't want to like give anything away, but the ending I found rather satisfying. Okay. No more words about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I am on the, I'm on I the just second think, last episode and I, I was think actually the arc, really sad to not be watching it anymore. The whole arc I think was really well done. Sharon Horgan, who created Crashing, which is a much more like catastrophe. comedy catastrophe. Why do I always do that? Phoebe Waller-Bridge. The Fleabag lady is, yeah. Fleabag lady is <laughs> Phoebe Waller-Bridge is crashing. Sharon Horgan's um, catastrophe. Catastrophe, uh, which is also, which is very funny, but like a different brand of funny more um I, I wanted to watch that one after watching this because I didn't know her before but I think Bad Sisters is so good I like everything she does this is a slightly different flavor and I really like uh, I think the casting was really well done yeah I yeah. really liked it I yes. don't think there's a I think this is a self-contained series yeah, right? I think there's so not, which is yeah I think it's a mini series yeah yeah love that I know I really? feel like it's, it hasn't gotten as much hype as I wanted to, I sort of expected it maybe not to get a whole bunch. It doesn't feel like the kind mm-hmm. of show that gets like severance level hype, but it I hope should, more people though. watch it's, it because yeah. it's really quite good. Yeah. I would recommend it to most people, unless you yes, really have an issue too. with sort of suspenseful shows. It's not the most, yeah, I, I, I can't think of anyone that I would not recommend this to. No, I would tell everybody to watch this. Definitely. Okay, let's move on. Mm-hmm. The next one is The Watcher. Uh, big on Netflix for a little bit there. It was like in the number one TV spot. So if you've Quickly been on Netflix, dropped. you probably at least <laughs> saw. I know, but I think it's like third now though. Like it's still on the list, I think. Mm-hmm. I checked yesterday or I was on Netflix yesterday. Anyways, The Watcher is a miniseries based on a true story uh, about a, a couple or a family in 2014 who moved into this little like idyllic town in New Jersey uh, this like affluent, supposedly safe area of New Jersey. They move into this big new mansion that they paid like $3 million for. And they start to get letters from somebody called the watcher that are like weird and definitely threatening and sort of scary, a really creepy story. And when it broke the news, like in real life, I even remember reading it. Like it was definitely like national news. Uh, and then Ryan Murphy, creator of American Horror Story and Glee, I guess, decided to adapt it into a miniseries. An odd choice. If you ask me, I watched the whole thing. I liked it until I very, very much did not. I thought the ending was terrible. It made me feel like I wasted seven hours of my life. So uh, it's a not recommend from me. In fact, if you've already watched it, I'm sorry that you had to go through that as well. It does have Naomi Watts and Jennifer Coolidge and they're, you know, good and fun to watch as always, but no, don't watch that. Yeah, I will not be watching. I've heard very similar. I feel like when you had written your review, 
a bunch of people I saw on like in their Instagram stories were like, oh, I can't stop watching the watcher. And then a couple of days later, they were like, I can't believe this. I'm so upset. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like, why would you make the series Murphy for making it really addictive? I feel like that's his thing. Like he'll make it really addictive and then he he'll make know it how terrible. To it. Like remember mm-hmm. when the whole world watched Glee for like a season and a half and then it was horrible suddenly and yep. then nobody watched it anymore. And I don't know if American Horror Story was the same way because I didn't watch that, but he just has like, I feel like he doesn't know when to stop. The show got really, the watcher got really over the top. And then mm-hmm. when the ending was such a letdown, it was like, I can't believe he threw in all of those psychotic unhinged, like Mr. X just for the purpose of it. Weird. Yeah. yeah very weird. Uh, very different note for the next, what we watched in October, Abbott elementary season two. It puts the biggest smile on my face to even think about Abbott Elementary. (laughs) I went to a family function last weekend, like a fall deck warming sort of situation at my cousin's house. And when I talk to them about TV, because they know that I write this newsletter and I always talk about TV, they were like, have you heard of Abbott Elementary? I've started watching it. It's so good. I was like, I'm glad, but like, yes. Where were you when we wrote about it? (laughs) I feel like it's all we talked about. It's all I've talked about in person. That's not true, but I've definitely recommended it to everyone I know. Season two has not disappointed. I feel like you feel the same way. Oh, for it's sure. Oh, as so a cute. quick side note, because I thought of this mm-hmm. while you're talking, I think the best thing about having a TV podcast and newsletter is how validated I feel to just spend all of my conversations talking about TV and not having to feel like the weirdo who watches too much TV, but now being like, oh, it's <laughs> like my it's job. a pseudo job. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yes. People depend on us. Season two. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. This second season I honestly think the first few episodes of this season have already been better than the first season, which oh was a goodness. high bar. Yeah. But, and maybe it was just because I missed it. Like I missed yeah. season one and I was just so excited for it to be back. But like the first two episodes uh, came out the same day and I watched them like the next day and I was just so giddy. Like Matt came <laughs> out from his office and came into mine and he was like, why are you so happy? And I was like, why am I? And then I was like, I don't know. I'm watching Abbott Ele- Elementary. And he was like, no, you're literally like, you're like glowing. Beaming. Like you're like <laughs> bouncing off the walls. And I was like, just like grooving. I was just like smiling. It is my new like happy show the way like Parks mm-hmm. and Rec always was. I just feel so much joy when I watch it. And it is just so funny. Yeah, I have one thing to add, which is that I saw in an interview, I think today, if not very recently, that cold open, this is not a spoiler, I hope, but the cold open where Barbara can't remember or like doesn't know which celebrities are oh, black says and other like names, keeps, says white yeah. male names when she thinks she's talking about black actors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, whatever. Um, yeah, it doesn't give anything away. It's just a little joke. It was inspired by the fact that Cheryl Lee Ralph, who plays Barbara, actually does that in real life. Like they wrote it in because she at one point thought Orlando Bloom was a football player. And then (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing. She's like, Orlando Bloom, doesn't that sound like a big, strong football player? (laughs) She's not wrong. That, yeah, that cold oven is genuinely really funny. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I also feel like Cheryl Lee Ralph is probably a lot like Barbara in real life. Like I get those vibes. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love her. She is so such, great. Such a happy, good show. Yeah. If you're not already watching Abbott Elementary, you're so late to the party. Just please start immediately. 
oh, I wonder if they're going to try to fit in anything related to Philly sports teams, like Phillies in the World Series and uh, oh, like the Eagles. Yeah, like, I don't know if they could do. I'm sure I, they will. I mean, I'm sure all of the of the episodes are already written for this season, but I wonder if they can do any like quick edits. Oh, maybe people are really, or like adding in, you know, how dancing on my own is really big Philly fans right now for some reason. Didn't know that. It's a sprint, brand new information. Yeah. The song dancing on my own is really big. And I wonder if they'll try to, if they have like the means to fit anything in, in the upcoming episodes, but we'll see. It would be (laughs) a lot of work. I do love all the Philly jokes though. All right. Next Mm -hmm. on the list. Uh, that I've watched Handmaid's Tale, the fifth season. Uh, I've watched the first like four episodes so far. I think maybe one or two more is out, but I have not been all the way caught up. I am so over the Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) If you are only caught up to like season three, which I think is the boat you're in, Jenny. Yes, because I got fed up at season three. Yeah, see, I I, so I linked it up to then. And then season four was a slow start for me. But by the end, I was like, Oh, wow. That was great. And Hmm. I feel like I had hope for season five that has just been absolutely dashed. It is. Yeah, I don't I can't say a lot more without giving it away. If you do plan to watch it, just know that it is tedious now. Is this the last? Is this the official final season? No, there's one more after this. Oh, my God. I know. And I'm just like, I don't know if I can make it through. But they did at least announce that season six would be the last. I mean, it should have stopped after three Three should have been at like max. It honestly would have been a great like one season, but yeah, it's just, it's as tedious as you might expect. Bummer. And I have also been watching Welcome to Flatch. The second season of that came out last month, late September. Uh, Welcome to Flatch. I wrote about the first season. I wrote about the newsletter, although I haven't written about season two yet. And in the first season, I was like cautiously optimistic that it would become a very funny good like worthwhile show but it was a little hit or miss i think for me in season one it had it had like the right had the right structure but i think it was still figuring out its footing it's a funny show but it's very it's sort of that dumb humor where you're like i can't tell if this is making me dumber by watching it or if i'm like am i like missing out on like the in joke like what's Mm. the what's the thing here. But then I stopped thinking about it so much from that perspective and more, and maybe it's because I've been living in Honesdale like the last like six months, but I started thinking about it more from this perspective of like, just literally just the perspective of people in a really, really small town, uh, which is, yeah, the show is just about residents in a town of like 1400 people. And it's just another ensemble comedy. And that's the whole premise. And I think living here has given me like a more appreciation for what the humor of the show is. Hmm. And it definitely, like I said, it has that dumb sort of vibe. It's not, I'm trying to think of like a good example, like a, a show similar to it, but like maybe Arrested Development, sort of, but not quite. Just in that, like, I feel like somebody could watch Arrested Development and be like, well, I don't understand why this is funny. Like if you like just watch one episode out of the blue, you'd be like, all these people are terrible hmm. and weird and like, what's the joke, but like, it's deeper than that. And where while Arrested Development is like very, I feel like very dry and sort of satirical. Welcome to Flatch is uh, more like positive, good natured, mm-hmm. less like negative. It might be sort of similar to some episodes 
of reservation dogs. Oh, I still haven't seen that. Not all of them. Like I hesitate to make that comparison too confidently, but it does sound like there it's a small community. Some of the comedy is just like the antics of these kids that live in this small town and are interacting with other small town people. Yeah. I still have to watch on the that reservation. Yeah. I do think in summary, I think season two is it, it's what, what I wanted to happen is happening. I think that the characters like getting more into their footing and the show is funnier than it was in the first season. And yeah, I hope this one sticks around. I do actually really like it. Nice. Uh, next I'll go quickly on this one. House of the dragon. The Game of Thrones prequel. It's, so you finished it? I finished, I finished the whole first season. I did not read the books. I didn't know what was going to happen with all the well, characters. You read the, some of the books, but not the book that this was based on, right? Oh, yeah. I did not read the any of the dragon riding, whatever, Targaryen <laughs> parts of Game of Thrones. I read the Game of Thrones series. Um, books like one through three, I believe. Maybe even four. No, I think one yeah. through three. At any rate, I was enjoying parts of it for the same reasons that I watched Game of Thrones. It's like a huge production. If you are missing that kind of like faux medieval thing, like, sure, go ahead, watch it. It's very violent still. I know we said this last time we mentioned it. I'm not thrilled with all of the choices. It's very clear. Like, I I really like some of the main character, the actors. Um, I think they're doing like a really great job, but some of the choices in the directing and the just like certain scenes that are more violent than I feel like they need to be all the stuff we've talked about before. Yeah. I feel like that's always just like, it's not, there was, I, I read recently there was another game of Thrones prequel series that was going to be made. That was like a female showrunner. It yeah. was about a different, yeah. You've heard of this too. Um, and that one got canceled and like, yeah, no they one scrapped has seen, that and made this massage. <laughs> So I'm just like, yikes. I don't know if I'll watch the second season, but who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll get sucked into it again. Okay. Uh, I have yikes. to catch up on episodes five through nine, ten, nine. And then maybe we'll do a part two podcast episode to follow up our episodes one through three. That math didn't work out, but you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, because yeah. yeah, I need to catch up and then we can chat more, but yeah, good. I feel like I sort of expected it to be not my favorite show. So that's why I have not been keeping up every week yep. with it. Yeah, fair enough. All right. My next one is called Friend of the Family. It is a miniseries based on a true story about a young girl. She's like 13 years old. The first time she's kidnapped by a family friend. Uh, this is a bunch of LDS people in Idaho in the 1970s. Like I said, based on a true story, but the main character, or the, I should say the main girl who was really kidnapped by the family friend in the 1970s is she's an actress now. And she's at least a part-time producer because she co-produced this show. So knowing that she signed off, you know, and really wanted this story to be made, the, her story to be made into this show was an important factor in me watching it. Uh, because I think true crime dramatizations can be exploitative, but this one is not. It also has an incredible cast, Jake Lacey, Anna Paquin, Colin Hanks, McKenna Grace, probably other people I'm forgetting. Like just, I mean, that's so much of why I like watching it, I think, is everybody is just giving these insanely good performances. Mm. But the story is actually told 
in a very well-crafted way. Like the direction is incredible. The writing of this adaptation is good for a miniseries based on a true crime. Like it's like weirdly compulsively watchable. Like I was just like, I need to know how this guy gets away with it. And I, mm-hmm. yeah. And like I said, knowing that like the main girl sort of like wanted, she had, she does a little like intro to the show. Um, she's on camera saying like, I wanted this story to be out there so that people can see, like, you always think it can never happen to you, but like, here's how it can. And uh, yeah, there's just something about it. That's so well done. I honestly think it'll be nominated, uh, for awards next year. Like, it's just really, really good. What's it on? Peacock. Peacock. Nice. It's creepy. Might watch it, but yeah, it's definitely creepy. Yeah. It is unsettling. I should have given that warning. I mean, it's about a grown man who preys on children. It's yeah. and it's Yikes. based on a true story. So uncomfortable, um, but worth a watch if you can stomach it. My next one of watched in October was Rings of Power that also had its season finale in the last week or so. I, I liked it. I liked it more than. <laughs> Would you upgrade the like, rating from a what? A C minus? To like a C plus. Mm, okay. What is that I, in everyone else? speak <laughs> it's like a 3.4 stars out of five, five. okay yeah what do you mean <laughs> uh yeah like it's a little above the three star mark okay um but not firmly in four and only because yeah we'll see like it's i mean it's a great fantasy if you like Lord of the Rings and those kinds of things, it's a, like a really, it's a much better fantasy series than in my opinion, the game of Thrones prequel. I don't know. All of the scenery is pretty epic. The story is really good. Again, one of the things that I liked about this was that there are, there's sort of breadcrumbs and mysterious characters and you don't know. This is not a spoiler to say you don't know who Sauron is or where Sauron is. And there are a couple of characters that are a little mysterious. And throughout the series, you're like, is this Sauron? Is that Sauron? And by the end, you get, we think, an answer. And that's very satisfying. Hmm. And yeah, so like there, it's it's got a good number of satisfying aspects, which is why I will bump up my rating. But it's still not like, there's a lot of battle scenes. I feel like when things are heavily battle, it's not my yeah. favorite. I like That's more I of the interplay. Like, like the third Lord of the Rings movie, I think is trash. Like not, it's not objectively <laughs> trash, but like for me as a viewer who wants to watch things that entertain me, I can't mm-hmm. stand that movie because it's like one battle scene for two hours. It's, I much prefer it's That's what the bummer about all of Lord of the Rings and sort of also this prequel is. And what I think the bummer about the Game of Thrones prequel is now turning into is it's just going to be a battle the entire time. There's not going to be as much of the interplay of different characters and different worlds within their world. It's yeah, like I hate a, when it turns into that. It's so yeah, sort of a bummer. Me. But we'll see. Yeah. I like, like I said, I like it better than the um, House of the Dragon. Hmm somewhat low bar but you know i'm if i'm gonna watch all of house of the dragon i might as well watch rings of power i like for a fantasy liker weirdly don't like lord of the rings like the amount that i don't like lord of the rings is what fantasies do you like i said liker you- before you get down my back about <laughs> not liking fantasy i didn't say lover i said liker no, no, no. i mean that's I- what i said i'm wondering which fantasies you like i like well 
I read Game of Thrones and really liked it. Less liked the series, as we know. Gotcha. But like, and I guess I'm thinking of books, but like I liked the Game of Thrones books, obviously the Harry Potter books. I like, I mean, I could name other book series that are way <laughs> less known. Um, but those like Crescent City and mm-hmm. it's actually, well, it's not a book podcast, but I read one the other day that was like, it was really good. The thing uh, about anyways. the Crescent City books, real quick diversion, is that there's a whole, like the whole four fifths of the book is setting up the world and this mystery within the world that does not include a bunch of battles. And then the battle portion is just like the very end, which is great. Yeah. Like more yeah. That's the thing is like, that. I like fantasy war. I like world building. I do mm-hmm. not like battles. And a lot of the times fantasy means there's a lot of battles and so yeah that's where I struggle and that's why Lord of the Rings for me it's like it's an interesting concept it's a pretty world but it's those movies have never worked for me and honestly the books I think I got through the first one and then maybe half the second one I don't know there's something about it that just doesn't work for me but needless to say I will eventually watch the show we can eventually talk more about it all right great let us let us move on move on yep the next one the peripheral I actually wrote about in the newsletter that dropped today, which will not be today when this comes out, but check out the most recent newsletter. Uh, I wrote about this new show. It is a sci-fi mystery from the creators of Westworld, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. It stars Chloe Grace Moretz, who I love, and it is based on a book by William Gibson. It's very good. This sort of like concept reminds me a lot of Ready Player One, just in that like there's like a VR sort of world that she goes into. Um, but otherwise, I don't know where they're going with the mystery. Very intriguing so far. Two episodes out so far on Amazon Prime. It's setting up to be one of my favorite shows of the year, but it could also let me down based on where they go with the mystery. So we'll see. The next show we both watched, at least the first two episodes of, but Reboot, um, created by Stephen Levitin, the Modern Family creator. I don't know how many... I watched the first... I want to say two episodes, maybe three. I think we both watched the first three and I haven't watched any since then either. Yeah, nor have I, which I think tells you maybe all you need to know. I mean, to be clear, we watch a lot of television. (laughs) Yeah, I just haven't had time to go back. I honestly did like it and I want to go back. It's not a high priority for me. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I, unless you walked away being like, I don't care about watching more of that. Right. Right. Unless I really heard great things either from you or from someone else who watched more of the series. I would not be like, I I often come back to series many years later when I have nothing to watch and I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the mood for yeah, that. That's fair. so we'll I'll see. quickly say the premise uh, in case people missed the oh, newsletter. Yeah. It is uh, <laughs> about, so reboot is about a fictional series that was on in like the early 2000s that is being rebooted. So it follows this dysfunctional cast. Uh, It's Keegan-Michael Key, Johnny Knoxville, Judy Greer, all incredible. Uh, The cast of this old show. And they're, it's it's another like workplace comedy, but it's also sort of poking fun at like the Hollywood uh, entertainment industry. Um, I really liked it. I think most of my like for it comes from the cast. Uh, also Rachel Bloom's mm-hmm. in it and I do really like her, mm-hmm. but it didn't stick with me, I guess, like Jenny said, I mean, I would have probably gone back to watch more of the episodes recently had it really made an impression. And it was more like, it was a funny comedy that I could see enjoying more of, but it wasn't yeah. groundbreaking. 
Did you watch any of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Rachel no. Bloom's mother. But I know I, but I know enough about it to know, like, I like her. She's, yeah, she's good. That had a similar, I watched more of that, but the same thing, like, I haven't seen it all the way through because it sort of just mm. fell off my radar That's of fair. important shows. Um, second to last in our roundup, um, Andor, which you have definitely seen more of than I have. Uh, I've seen the first three episodes. I reviewed oh. them and I haven't I seen any more. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I stopped after kidding. that. I don't know. I, I mean, I gave it a C, what, a C plus or something. Oh yeah, Basically which saying means like, you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> my d's are shows that i really did not like really got hated. it uh c for me means like any c plus c or c minus mostly means like i can see why some people liked these something about it some key element of it is not working for me and for this show it was the pacing i watched three mm-hmm. episodes and i felt like i'd watched nine hours of television where nothing happened like it was just so slow but i appreciated mm-hmm everything else about it. And because we haven't said it yet, you don't know, Andor is the newest show in the Star Wars uh, universe. It is on Disney+. Plus. It is a prequel to the Star Wars movie Rogue One, which was a prequel to the Star Wars movie A New Hope. Uh, and Diego Luna is back in his role as Cassian Andor. And so it's just following this man in the pre-revolutionary times, uh, pre-rebellion times, excuse me. A very attractive uh, man. Very dark and sort of like grungy in a way that the other Star Wars shows I feel like haven't been, which is cool. I wonder if that's Tony Gilroy's doing. I mean, it mm. must be Tony Gilroy, the creator, uh, also wrote and directed the Bourne movies, uh, mm. the like Bourne Ultimatum and all that. Um, and I know it was like sort of his passion project. I listened to an interview with him uh, and he was very into like it feeling different than the other shows and it definitely does and i like that you're sort of seeing these little vignettes of life in this in the universe that you don't see in the other movies just yeah like people taking the bus and like what does a bus look like in the <laughs> star wars universe and i like all of that a lot i just wish more was happening and i do really want to go back to finish this show mm. and there will be multiple seasons um i just yeah it fell off for me because i was like oh boy that was slow I also want, I also see, have seen the first three episodes. Um, and then Carter has sort of taken off without me and is fully caught up. He really likes it for all the same reasons you mentioned, uh, it feeling like a real, you get real insights into what it's like to live in that world. Like very like minute details of everyday life. And to be fair, that's kind of what we were just talking about in fantasy shows that we really like the like yeah. slower pace world, the world building. building. Yeah. Mm, I didn't say slow pace. I just said world building. The slow the, the well, pace of the show. Did the pace of the show not feel slow to you? Like you watched the first a little bit. episodes. Yeah. It I mean a little bit slow, but then but it feels like the first three episodes were the setup. And then yeah. like it's now that we've sort of uh, established where we are now like everything can happen which I respect like I I'm willing to give it that time and then be sucked in just if you think of it the same way that you think of telling people they need to sit through the first season of Parks and Rec to enjoy Mm. the rest of the seasons I feel like it's a very similar thing okay well that's just that makes sense because I watched the first like (laughs) season of Parks and Rec and then didn't watch it for like three years until I gave it another chance so maybe I'll watch the rest of Andor in three years stay tuned yeah (laughs) 
All right. Final show that I, we watched, I watched in October was the season three of Dairy Girls. The final season of Dairy Girls. Jess is going to watch this. You are going to watch this I will, <laughs> um, yes. because we are going to talk about it. It is one of my favorite series in the last five years. It's set in the 90s in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. If you're unfamiliar with that, it's basically when Northern and Southern Ireland are um, split by religion and their allegiance or non-allegiance to England. And there is definitely some violent conflict and the town where the main teens live, where this uh, show is set is Londonderry or Derry, depending on which side of the conflict you're on. Uh, but the fun thing about the show is that it's a comedy. It's set during this really troubling time, but it's about these teenagers who are just like, here's what it's like to live in this world. Uh, and it's not at all, it does a really good job at not being too, I don't know, saccharine about the messages about being in a community that is torn up like this. And some of the parts are really funny where they're sort of blase about like, oh, they blew up the bridge. It's going to take me forever to get to work now. Like certain things like that. Um, season three, I thought it was not my favorite season, but it was still really good. And it wrapped up the whole series really nicely. I, as you know, Jess, I'm a sucker for series that are like short and sweet and wrap up well. It always happens. It seems like in British shows, channel four shows where they like have a plan for the certain number of seasons that they're going to do. And then like the whole arc is set up and they do it and then it's over. Um, Fleabag, like Broadchurch, Dairy Girls. And That's yeah, fair. I, I feel left like all shows should be like that. Yeah, it left, it left me wanting more, but like very satisfied with where it was. Also the outro, there's it heavily features the cranberries because it's of that era. And that's just such a good vibe. Uh, I'm saying it now, but I feel like a new podcast series in the very near future will be Jess, you watching Dairy Girls and me reacting to you reacting <laughs> to Dairy Girls. Yeah, you got to pick one though. Am I watching Dairy Girls or am I watching Buffy? I don't know, but we also need to pick one, uh, like a show that you have seen that I need to watch so we can do- yeah. pick from my Dairy list. Girls. Dairy Girls is a much- uh, less extensive ask. Yeah. I've also had a lot of other people <laughs> tell me that I should watch Dairy Girls and I feel like I will definitely like it. So I'm mm -hmm. maybe more interested in that one. All right. Yeah. We'll do that one first. If there were any shows that we mentioned that people want a deeper dive into, let us know. We can always do an episode on one of these shows. We'll probably mm -hmm. do, uh, I'll say maybe do another House of the Dragon, depending on if I actually ever finish that. But mm. we were also thinking about doing a bad sisters episode so like we said before what are you waiting for go watch that and then you can come back and listen to our bad sisters podcast episode maybe next week maybe two weeks because this one <laughs> has to come out first so but from when you hear this yeah yeah, yeah. Point, i think you're week. right so get started <laughs> get, get started now so you get can watch right now us. and i know we've plugged the newsletter a couple of times in this podcast but truthfully we write about a lot of shows you would probably like watching Lots some of, of them. Shows. Check and your you promotions check folders, people. DBL take at substack.com. That's the email, but dbltake.substack.com. Um, there we go. It's check it out, guys us. and girls and people. And we will be back one day soon. soon.
find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take Podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen.